welcome back to the Signature Boss podcast and happy new year. This is my first podcast in 2021. I had to take a break because I was sick. <laughs> I started the year off sick in bed for a whole week, the first week of January. Actually like more like nine, ten days. I was wiped out, completely wiped out um, and just slept for a whole week pretty much. Which to be honest, it did feel nice. Um, it felt like a proper break that I didn't know I needed. Uh, it sounds weird to say that even because, I mean, where have I been? What have I done that I needed a break? But it was like a break from, from reality and from life a little bit, even though we've obviously been in lockdown for a while now and we were restricted and limited as to where to go, what to do. But at the same time and you listening you all know this and you might share the same feelings at the same time it feels like there's so much going on even though there's nothing going on but the world has while it has stopped so many things also have not stopped and um, the year started off like so wild with the riots in, in Washington the first week of January and that was so overwhelming um, and so much to to digest to think about that I even decided to take a social media break <laughs> that was like about 10 days ago I decided oh I'm I'm done for a little bit because I need to to be present in my life and I need to and I need my my source of of news, my source of connection to not be just Instagram or social media in general. I needed to be other things, other people, other places, other sources and not just that one place because it's driving me crazy. <laughs> so this is how my year started. Um, let me know how you're feeling. Um, let me know you know, message me, even though I'm, I'm not very active right now on social media, I will at some point read them and reply. How has it started for you? I hope you feel at peace. I hope you feel good and positive and excited about this year. And if you don't, you know, that's okay too. Um, if you can't feel positive about it right now, that's totally fine. It's, it's a season, it's a phase, and it will not last forever. That's what I tell myself um, about anything. It won't last forever. The bad and the good. It won't last forever. There will be seasons and times for everything. And that's kind of my comfort, to be honest. Today's episode is so powerful. I'm, I cannot tell you how excited I am for you to listen to this. This episode is full of gold, pure gold. There's so much wisdom in it, so much power. I talked to my friend Bianca Bass. She is incredible. She's such a force. She's a marketing coach. Bianca has worked with the likes of Google. She's worked at 10 Downing Street. She was published in Forbes and Vogue, just to name two of the massive publications she's been in she's such a talented coach she's such a talented copywriter and marketer and what she does so well is weave 
life and business together. Like there's, she always, she also, she actually mentions this in the podcast as well. There is no life work balance. Like they're all one. They're all like, they're kind of all flow into each other. They, they are all who we are. We're not just, you know, we're, 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 we're not just, oh, this is our private life and we switch it off when we go to work. Everything we are, who we are influences what we do as well. And she does such a great job at like communicating this in the way in the way she communicates it on social media but also like with her clients and her work I love how she weaves the two together because I deeply believe and this is one philosophy of the signature boss as well that like what we do comes out of who we are like what who we are is the foundation of what we do and what we build being comes before doing I deeply believe that and I know you will enjoy this episode her Bianca's background is super interesting and we talk in depth about where she comes from um, her heritage and the lineage she comes from how she draws power from that how she draws like inspiration from that for her life and for her work um, and I believe that listening to her story will empower you, encourage you. There are so many hell yes moments in this conversation. And I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed being in the conversation. Bianca is very raw, very honest in this episode, um, talking about her personal life and about work. We cover so much ground in this episode, I can't even tell you, like from childhood trauma to growing up as a third culture kid and how to leverage the many identities we grew up with in that way to leaving a toxic work environment and believing that the next opportunity is always around the corner for you. She has so much wisdom, so much knowledge to share and I'm excited for you to hear it. Enjoy. I hope you have a beautiful day and let me know what you think. A couple of minutes late. I'm so oh, don't happy worry. to be here. Don't worry at all. I have time today. I mean, I'm in lockdown, so <laughs> so there's nowhere else to be today, really. <laughs> it's perfect. I love your photos in the background. That's oh, so beautiful. thank you. They're my own. Like, I know. You can, stunning. You can buy them in my online shop. <laughs> <laughs> Link in below. <laughs> exactly. I'll put everything down below. Oh, so yeah. nice to see you. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, my love. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling actually very good, very well rested. I'm really excited about our chat. Um, yeah, I just feel very calm and eh, I don't know, lockdown, lockdown feelings, kind of, yeah kind of a bit of everything but I'm feeling very calm and I actually wanted to start off this podcast with a question that I learned from you which I love oh tell me how is the weather in your mind today oh I love that I love you for asking that okay I love you I for coming up with that it's amazing <laughs> I have my answer so yes I'm so excited are there any particular topics or things you want to cover I'm so intrigued let's have a super expensive conversation but yeah. you know I kind of I thought with the two of us 
I kind of I was very confident <laughs> that we wouldn't need like much of like a you know a structure if you don't mind oh my god of course I don't mind thank you so much for holding the space honestly and I feel like it's such a beautiful day today it, the energy feels yeah. perfect to do yeah. this and to be here with you so Thank you. Same. I feel the same. And thank you for um, saying yes. Obviously, not everyone sa says yes. So I'm really grateful um, for you to be here and yeah, to have, this, to have this chat and introduce my audience to you and what you do and who you are, because um, I just think you're a beautiful person. <laughs> Likewise, I receive that with so much gratitude and awesome. the same. I can't wait for more people in my network to know you and to know your work because the way, and we'll talk more about this when we start recording properly, but the way that you combine a story with an image is so powerful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. When I was talking to friends, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this podcast with Nadia Melia. I don't know if you know her. You really should check out her work because, oh my God, it's beautiful. So it's, so, it's such an honor to be here. Thank really you. Is. Same, same. That's a great start. We're both honored to be here. So. Full, of honor, full of excitement and just full of expansiveness. You know, I, I've always felt oh, beautiful. Connected, very connected to you. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. feels very natural. Mm -hmm. very awesome. Natural. And I, I feel the same. I feel very connected to you. However, I, I don't know that much in depth about your story. I know you came from Brazil when you were really young, right? Um, I was born here, but I was raised by Brazilian women. So my mum okay. was a nanny, so we'll get into all of that. Sorry, yeah. sorry about getting that confused. <laughs> so you, yeah, you were, you were born here, but obviously, yeah, raised in a, in a different world at home, I guess. <laughs> it's so loud. I'm just waiting for my blind a little bit, because I'm like trying to get the lighting right with all of this sunlight. Yeah, so there's nothing better than natural window light. No. Like it's, it's that's a fantastic idea, um, but yeah, I would love to hear more more details about where you come from, where you know your family comes from, and and their story. Feel free to elaborate as much as you want, um, and how you like ended up uh, where you are today, and 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 what made you who you are today. Um, fill us in all the details that you want to give. Yeah, feel free to just go <laughs> and run absolutely and it's quite a story in terms of just being Amazing. like you are it's a real collision of culture yeah. of different places and influences and it's very much made me who i am so being asked about it is one of my favorite questions so yes so you were born here but your your mom and your dad or just your mom came over here when and how and why sure so my mom came over when she was 17 from okay. brazil and that's young super young and it was a difficult time in brazil's history because it was under military rule and my mum was the only daughter with three brothers and she felt this compulsion to do something to go somewhere but her family had never been on a plane when my mum told her mum oh I, i'm thinking of going to england my grandmother was so confused that england actually was in the united states and couldn't even figure out exactly where that was yeah. so I come from this really incredible lineage of strong women who have not had conventional education, but they were always so intelligent and so emotionally intelligent as well. So I take a huge amount of strength from their stories because my mum did grow up 
in circumstances that were really difficult. Mm. There was alcoholism in the family. Mm. There was no opportunity, particularly at that time in Brazil for women. And she went on a plane. You know, there's like a hundred family members that came to the airport. It was February when she arrived. She was wearing flip flops, couldn't speak a word of English, had never been anywhere to the point that my grandmother had never, huh. even when over the course of her whole life, she'd never been to Rio, for example. That's okay. how little the family had traveled. We're from Sao Paulo originally. Mm -hmm. And so my mum comes here and she has this incredible story from being a cleaner and living in a bed sit where she couldn't even stand up. The ceiling was so low, she wow. was in an attic room, to being a cleaner in a bank. So then one day the receptionist in the bank walks out and my mum says to the manager, I can be the receptionist. And he said, well, your English isn't great. You don't really look the part, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay, you can do it for a bit. And then she ended up being a receptionist who, while she was on reception, she was bored. She's incredibly intelligent. And she's the greatest educator for me of all of the different ways that intelligence actually shows up. And she's on the reception and she's helping the banking staff come up with a payment process. And all of the staff are telling the management, this woman on reception is super smart. Can we put her on a graduate program? So they were petitioning for her to join a graduate wow. program. She worked her way up in this bank all the way up to VP of new business. So it was JP Morgan. So she did an amazing, she changed her life. And as a result, she wow. changed the life of the family. She changed our lives. So for me, I really have had this figure who's been my mother who came to the UK at 17 who's always had a lot of doubt, you know, she wasn't certain at all yeah. the whole way through, but she persevered. And that for me has been so formative in just seeing what it looks like to be a woman actually stepping into your power mm. at a time when everything is against you. Mm -hmm. So that has been something that I've drawn a huge amount of just strength from and yeah, it's a really beautiful thing to have as part of my history. So Amazing. going back one generation further, if, if I look at my grandmother, she's of indigenous Brazilian descent mm. and she wasn't able to go to school. Her and her family worked on a farm as laborers mm -hmm. and she had the foresight to actually move the family from this farm where they were being mistreated to the city. So one by one, she brought her siblings and she was one of 16. So she kept bringing them. Yes. So really generationally, if I look at my female lineage, I look at the differences between even my, myself and my mother, myself and my grandmother. And that for me has always felt really special and really sacred. And so I've always had very strong feminine energy, mm. which I haven't really understood how to tap into until recently. So that's the story of my mom and my grandmother and a bit about where I come from. That's beautiful. And no wonder, like, look, knowing you now, like, um, the the grown up you are like it i mean it does make sense <laughs> like how you how you how you come across how you communicate yourself your heart your whole spirit like is so bright like and it's it, it has this like you have this calm power this calm strength that you radiate it's not surprising like when this is where you come from when this is like your background that's incredible and I'm a little bit jealous <laughs> hearing that 
so kind. Honestly, so kind. I received that, is... that with so much gratitude. Wow. And look, it wasn't a background that growing up in the UK, I really knew how to tap into yeah. until I would say probably 26, 27, when I started actually realizing mm. just how powerful it how was. Powerful it is, yeah. And is to be from a country near Brazil is many things and it's a very complicated country. The people are beautiful, the spirit, the collective spirit of the country is amazing, but it's a very problematic place, it still is. Mm -hmm. So I always had this duality of growing up in England, I grew up in a very, very conventionally British town in the south of England, because my mum's bank transferred her there. And having this part of my story where I would be around very middle-class girls who I loved, I loved my friends growing up, but then going to Brazil, you know, never missed a year of going, always going to Brazil yeah. and playing on the street with the street kids where my grandmother lived and having this real kind of contrast. And mm. I never could really make sense of how the two could come together until mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really got to know myself better. So it's been something that I've I've learned to yeah. really embrace and yeah. be aware of. I think awareness is the word here. You know, I, I became aware of just how much it's formed who I am mm -hmm. and how I really believe that ancestral DNA is a thing. Mm -hmm. I believe that we carry that within us. I believe mm -hmm. that the stories of our ancestors, mm -hmm. they're our stories too. And we can either maybe reject them if the history is difficult as it has been in mine. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of painful history there too. Mm -hmm. Or we can look at it and take the power mm -hmm. that's there for ourselves in our everyday life. So it's really been something that I've been thinking about a lot as I've gotten older and I can't wait to see where that energy takes me as I keep going. Because whenever I'm in a situation where I feel I've got self-doubt or I'm in a meeting and there's a man that's being particularly obnoxious or any of these things, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it happens. It happens. Sometimes we've heard that it happens. <laughs> yeah, it happens. And whenever that happens, mm. I always go back to my place of power. Yeah. And my place of power is a lineage of women who always pushed for more and mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. refused to give up. Mm -hmm. Not at the expense of themselves, but for the benefit of them and their entire families. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I love a female story and just any stories. And I think that's where my love of storytelling really comes from. Amazing. That's beautiful. And um, I think as as people who have more than one cultural influence um, in their history, in their family history, this is always, it's a lifelong topic, isn't it? Like the, the topic of identity and how, how does that, um, as you said, it took you a while to tap into that, like, and what, what it means for your life. How, how do, do those two come together? It's kind of, I find it it's always like a topic still for me um how to bring everything together and make my own thing from it because i'm not a hundred percent pure anything <laughs> so it's kind of yeah it's kind of um yeah just a journey to bring to bring those together and i think i'm still learning what you seem to have like found with drawing from that power from like your the women in your family because I I don't look at the women in my family that way I don't I cannot see them that way um because there's there's not really someone in my family 
that I look up to in that way, that I admire. Um, there's a lot of a lot of pain <laughs> and a lot of uh, difficult thing, as in every family. And I really, really struggle to see, um, to see the good, I guess, and what what that has given me, what they have given me that is useful or good and 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 beneficial and something I can like take with me moving forward. So that, like, like hearing that is, is so beautiful from you. That's why I said, I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> I knew that feeling. It's really stunning. Feeling. Yeah. Do you? I do. And I, I'll share, and I love what you're sharing here mm. because it is a lifelong process mm. and day to day it changes. And so much of what you said resonates with me. It, it was when my grandmother died in 2017 when I had to go to Brazil immediately because the funerals happened within 24 mm. hours. They pushed it back a little wow. bit for us to get there. Mm. And I was thinking, this is so extreme. I work in London. I was in a head of marketing role. I had a big team and my grandmother, her name was Irasi, which means mother of the honey, and which I just love. And she died and we had to go very quickly. So I had to go mm. from work to get the plane, to get to the funeral, straight off the plane on the other side, because door to door is about 16, 17 hours, to be with her. And the whole flight, I was thinking, Brazil has been such an extreme feeling for me. Mm -hmm. I rejected it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I stopped going there mm -hmm. from my late teens until my mid twenties, because something about it was too painful and something about mm -hmm. it felt as though it separated me from some of the places and things that I was trying to do. You know, it, it for me felt as though, oh, I, again, I have to go there. My grandmother wasn't the kind of woman who could have an emotional and honest conversation like the one that we're having now. Mm -hmm. She didn't have that openness. Mm -hmm. She had emotional intelligence in other ways. Mm -hmm. So she knew that when I wasn't coming to Brazil, she understood that I needed to do that as part of my process, mm -hmm. but we never spoke about it. Mm -hmm. But when I saw her, this is quite intense, but I'm gonna go there. When I saw her, Catholic country, coffins are open, very different funerals from the ones here in England. I know, yeah. And, and you'll know this too from your own experiences. And she was there and she was so peaceful. I looked at this tiny four foot 11 indigenous woman. And I thought, I will never know what you have been through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But through your story, I find strength. Mm -hmm. Through your story, because of who you are, mm -hmm. I am who I am and where I am. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for you, right? If you think about your lineage, how are you as Nadia in the place that you are now? And there are parts of the decisions that your mother and her mother made that have contributed to that. So I had anger towards my grandmother as well. Sometimes Same, she was yeah. rude. Mm -hmm. She would look at pictures of me in the past and she'd say, you look so much better now. Her social cues were not as you would potentially. Oh my accept. gosh, that's the same with my grandparents. <laughs> I feel like maybe it's also like a cultural thing. Like, yes, <laughs> there's just no sensibility. Like for <laughs> I don't know Absolutely. what it is. 
she did not have the conventional social cues. She felt something, then she felt compelled to say it. And Mm. uh, she just wasn't bothered by those things. And I, growing up, I wanted to be exactly as you said, you know, I used to view myself as a mongrel. Oh, I've got so many cultures, you know, I'm a mixture of Italian as well, actually, Mm. Angolan, indigenous Brazilian, French, you know, British. I've got all this mix of cultures within me. And I'd always think this is so messy. Yeah. I can't make sense of all of it. Yeah. But then I started realizing the beauty and the sacrifices that were made to get me to this position where I even am able to have these problems. Yeah. So yeah. that's the part that I connected with. And sadly, it was after she had passed away that I started tapping into that. But mm. I, I do believe that there's a continuation of that relationship, whether a person's here or not. Mm-hmm. And what she has given me is a better understanding of who I am, where I've come from, and because of where I've come from, where I can go next. So for you, yeah. and for anybody listening, who has that feeling of, okay, I'm not really making peace with my female lineage, I don't see them as these strong women, mm-hmm. try and see the patterns that at the very least have given you parts of yourself that you do love. Mm-hmm. It may not be conventional strength in the sense that they moved country and they did this and they built that. In my case, you know, it could instead be that they have a love for art or Mm -hmm. poetry or song that actually is within me that I really thank them for. You know, there's other things that we can look for. And I think we have to be quite, quite forensic in identifying. That's what I was thinking. Yes. While you were talking, I was thinking I I, I didn't have the word forensic in mind because English is not my first language. So, but that is such a good word. Like I was thinking this is like digging work like it's it it's if i if i look at my family the women the men in my family i i really have to do digging work to find the gems yeah. like to find the things that i can draw from and like that i'm that i'm grateful it's like it's literally yeah it's digging work you have to be really really paying attention um to the details it's not it's not as obvious as in maybe more healthy and less dysfunctional families. Totally. <laughs> and growing up, all I wanted, honestly, was to be a blonde-haired, blue-eyed child oh, yeah. with a family that was cookie-cutter, that were having the perfect Christmas, and they were all there with their knitted jumpers, yes. and we were all so happy. And that is so far from my family. Oh. And Oh, I'm my so gosh, happy. I feel every single word that you just said. to this you will know that feeling right it's a yeah. feeling of kind of being othered I call it an otherness mm-hmm. where you you know no matter how hard you try your story does not align with those that are currently mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. and so you I've had many many Christmases where I've looked at my parents and my family and thought this is just not the way it's meant to be yes it should be yeah. like this yeah we, you know we're quite an explosive family we love to argue you know we really love only yesterday we were arguing on the phone and it's really funny having anyone like my boyfriend come into the dynamic and being like why are you all shouting at each other it's like no no, no we're just having a we're just talking yeah <laughs> this is us and some of the best conversations i've had with my parents really has been through arguing and being quite emotional in that way and and so I never had 
the family that I thought I was meant to have. And I, I think yeah. I've been born into the wrong family as well. That would yeah. be something I would say throughout my childhood yep. to myself. Yeah. I would ask my parents, have I been adopted? This, this isn't making sense. <laughs> you know, and this stuff is deep and it's painful because mm. we laugh, but it's, I do believe, and my mum taught me this because she's since retrained and now she's a psychotherapist because she had a lot of trauma from her past. Amazing. And mm. alcoholic dad, you know, she had a lot to make peace with. Mm. And she only made peace with it in her late 50s, really. So there's always time. And I was talking to her about how I rejected the family. And what yeah. was that like for you as a parent? Mm-hmm. She was like, well, it's obviously painful, but it's part of the natural order a child has to reject the family to form their own identity. Mm. Otherwise, you just become the, you know, the same and you, do, you don't actually form that sense of self. Mm. So particularly for a woman to push against what the family have wanted, what they are p- perhaps projecting and say, no, I reject this, this isn't for me. That's how we start to change the world because that's where we start to push back and carve out things saying no no no, that part of that's not right yes i can draw a strand from that part but that bit over there not for me and that is how we as women liberate ourselves so she helped me understand that me pushing back and really feeling resentment often was part of my growth process so when you're looking at it it could be helpful to look at it like that it's Mm. essential Mm. for us as women Mm. to be carving our own paths and rejecting our families and then coming back to them in a way that feels more true to who we are Dang. Okay, we can stop it here. <laughs> this was yeah. this was the perfect. <laughs> this was just uh, wow. Amen. <laughs> like this was perfect. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that part as well. Um, because yeah, that that can be like painful and yeah. and more definitely more vulnerable to share the things that are not glossy or um that not everyone talks about um for sure for sure and I'm about to go and stay with my parents for a couple of weeks because I'm moving out mm. and between where I'm living now and where I'm about to live and I can go more into that I'm going to be with them for three or four weeks give or take which is the longest I've been with them since I left home myself okay, at 17. Yeah, yeah and I already know it's going to be difficult we're mm-hmm. going to be arguing. There's mm-hmm. going to be moments where I just want to murder them, mm-hmm. all these things. Mm-hmm. But if I choose to accept that as this is us, this is who we are, this is how we relate, this, these are our patterns, then actually a really good way of looking at it as well that I read recently in a book that I have to recommend to you called Soul Friends by Stephen Cope. Okay. It, I found it in a library. It was completely just happenstance I came across it I'm like I'm really drawn to this book's cover very calming cover and essentially it helps you understand all of the relationships in your life Mm -hmm. and how some of them are meant to be tumultuous and they're meant to have arguing and you know this this spirit that is a little bit volatile and essentially what it helped me understand is that it's really important for us in our lives to have relationships where we can fight and Mm -hmm. we can go up against our parents, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but th- that we are taught that we can speak up for ourselves and still be loved. Yeah. Oh, so that, that is a that is a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. That is a yeah. tough one. So that book really helped me understand yeah. that. Okay, me and my parents, we've been through a lot. Mm. We've had a lot of difficult stuff. Mm-hmm. I was quite a badly behaved teenager, mm-hmm. and 
because again, I was pushing against what my parents were and I didn't feel comfortable in myself and who I was. And it helped me understand that, okay, they're still here with me. They yeah. still love me in the yeah. way that they can love me. Yeah. And so that's a lesson in itself. And so mm. I started thinking about their love and what it's taught me despite all the difficulties as well. That's so beautiful. It's one for the list as well. That's soul friends, you said. Soul friends. Okay. It's I'm got gonna... beautiful kind of like blue cloud cover. Okay. You're, the moment you see it, you'll know which one I'm talking okay, about. Okay, great. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I'm reading right now this book. Uh, I'm just gonna show you. It's called Attached, um, uh, and it's about the attachment styles, which I'm sure you're familiar with, like anxious, avoidant, secure, and then there's the mix of them as well. Um, I, I was just interested in 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 reading a bit more about it. Although I know my attachment style, I'm anxious. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I wanted because I did not this is something I did not learn in childhood when I was really really tiny um what you just said that I can speak up and I can still be loved I learned the opposite even though for sure this was not the intention of my parents to teach me that but you know you learn that through actions um so I learned like whenever I did speak up I was punished with um you know, uh, the silent treatment I was, I was, or I was punished physically or like in, in other ways, like, like it was bad for me to speak up. It was bad for me to be myself even, and to express my true self or what I'm thinking or my opinion. So that's how I became anxious because the relationship, well, here we go. I love, I love how we're talking. (laughs) Yeah. I love how we got here, but yeah, because the relationship was not, affirmed even though the opinions were different the relationship between me and my parents was not affirmed it wasn't like okay we differ here but our relationship is not changing you know I'm still listening to you I'm still talking to you I'm still that wasn't the case even though again I know this wasn't their intention and today they are different but unfortunately we learn this crap when we're tiny so (laughs) that's um it's a really interesting i just started two days ago um and uh it's it's really interesting in how obviously that relates to our relationships and things like that absolutely and you've been on your own journey with that right yeah over the past couple of years Mm -hmm. have been completely redefining that yeah yeah completely it's been and that's so powerful. Yeah, it's been it's been wild. <laughs> it's been wild to start like from scratch in a way. But um, yeah, I'd love to know um, more about if 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 we pick up where you know when when you came into this world <laughs> and how you know we we've heard from from your lineage and and your amazing mom and your amazing grandma and. Um, like how how did you growing up was that the the confidence you have now and the peace you have now i mean obviously i guess that wasn't always the case (laughs) progress every day (laughs) every day progress um how is how how do you look back at your childhood now um growing up obviously yeah in in different worlds in two different worlds and and trying to reconcile them um like do you feel like you grew up with any you know you know 
stereotypes that you had to fit into? Did you grow up like free to express yourself? Did did you have that soil to become the confident self you are now? Or is that something you you dug out your, for yourself, like, and fought oh, for yourself? Such a great question on so many levels. I did not grow up confident at all. Mm. If we're talking about attachment styles, mine's also anxious. And High five. it was very much because... <laughs> because my parents worked and they worked a lot and so I was raised by amazing Brazilian nannies but what that meant was that I had many different adults who were looking after me mm. and in those crucial early months as we know attachment styles can be formed if we don't have enough certainty that our parents are going to come back yeah. and all of these things so I grew up very shy English was my second language, so I was always really hyper aware that I was foreign and different, and and I really I didn't even know anybody who was a quarter of a different nationality oh, wow. in primary mm. school, right? Mm. Like it was really intense in that way. So up until the age of eleven, I had something really interesting, which is that I was super shy, but I was very very focused on my studies and on writing. So I became obsessed with like, I'm gonna master English, I'm gonna be the best writer, I'm gonna speak really well, which is why I speak with quite a posh accent, even though my roots are so not posh at all. But I, I was so aware that I was different. So up until 11, I was, yeah, like I said, really shy. And this is interesting because what I've been learning since in therapy that I've been in for years on and off, is that a lot of my conditions of worth and my conditions of love and the things that I needed to do to be loved were to be a good student mm. and a good child and write something really beautiful and oh look she wrote a poem oh she wrote this and so my conditions of worth even to this day are often around productivity and I have to mm. fight that mm -hmm. because I've understood the root of where that's come from mm. so that was me up until 11. When I transitioned to school, um, a bigger school, and I ended up really being aware even more of how my family were different, I started rebelling a lot. So got into quite a lot of trouble, got in trouble with the police. I can't even picture that for you. <laughs> yeah, like really badly behaved. And my conditions of worth in that school were being the jester and the joker. Mm, How can I be yeah. really funny and do mm. pranks and do bad things? Mm. And all I wanted was to be accepted. Yeah. And often, as you know, in schools, to be popular and to be accepted, you've got to be like a bit bad. You've got to be like hanging out with boys and doing stupid stuff like yeah. shoplifting and other things. So mm -hmm. I went through that process. And that process is when I was also rejecting my family because I, for me, they were completely different and I didn't want different. All I wanted was conformity. So kind of two sides to a yeah. childhood, mm. really contrasting sides, but all of it really being around that anxious attachment style mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. this need to be loved. And so to this day, even in my working life now, I look back on how when I was a young child, my conditions of work and my conditions of love were that if I did a good piece of work, I would be loved and I'd get good attention. Mm. And then I also look at my teenage years and I think, okay, well, then it was about being really popular and funny and like the best friend ever and all these things. And mm. it's exhausting. 
So was it a good childhood? And I look back, it was, it wasn't a conventionally on paper good childhood. It was Mm -hmm. challenging. Mm -hmm. There was definitely a lot of love, but I think I had a lot of stuff that I had to make peace with. You know, going to Brazil to see family there and then coming back, I was confused by that. I wasn't sure who I was, what I was meant to be. A lot of it was very performative. Mm -hmm. I felt that I had to perform up to what that group of people wanted from me in that moment. Oh my God, yes, yeah, yeah. Like when you're there, when you're in Brazil, you behave like your cousins and, you know, you try to be the Brazilian and when yeah. you're in the UK, so the same, 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 same for me. How has that shown up for you? Tell me how that's been present in your life. It's been present in my life in the way that I don't feel like I belong to any of these. So I, um, yeah. I was born in Italy. I'm Italian, um, but my parents moved to Germany when I was one. So I grew up in Germany and I don't feel... A belonging to Germany mm-hmm. and I also don't feel a belonging to Italy um, we would go to Italy every summer in the school holidays every single mm-hmm. year up until I was like 17 I think and then it started like because um, I finished school um, well one school then I went to a different school but like once once I once we grew up a bit like my parents started going to Italy on their own and like it was it, it all kind of fizzled out but we would go every year and just as you said it's it was so performative i i went to italy in summer and i would try to be like them i I would try to be like my cousins and and sicily where we're from is a completely different world from like it was so 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 different from germany um it was very very outdated it still is (laughs) um my my families in sicily um is very yeah they just have a completely different life um very outdated and I I would kind of try to like fit in but then they were watching I don't know tv programs that I didn't know because I I grew up in Germany and and they were speaking like proper Sicilian whereas my brother and I we we grew up obviously speaking it with my parents but it wasn't like the the real proper way to speak it like my cousins did because they grew up there like and um and uh it was it was all so confusing on so many levels like culturally personally like family life even like pop culture everything everything was so confusing and then even when we would go to uh, italy in summer they would jokingly they would say oh the germans are coming i relate to that so much i remember being right? with some cousins and really wanting to go brazilian and one of my cousin's friends said gringa which is just like oh you are foreign you know he was describing me as foreign and it was like a knife yeah 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 so when when we were there we would be called all the germans like for fun but still and in germany obviously we were all the italians were the immigrants and i was like fuck like where if i don't belong here and that like where do i belong i mean it played exactly. out. It played out for me in the way that I don't live in any of these countries now. <laughs> I live in England. <laughs> I had to choose a neutral, like my own ground to to be in, because neither one of the two made me feel. I don't want to say welcomed because it's not their fault. It's it's obviously down to it's it's nobody's fault. It's just I I don't feel like I belong. Um, so. 
what what you said was is so perfect i love how you put things into just the right words <laughs> uh performative that's that's the right word yeah like meh yeah it's just uh, i relate to that so much yeah. thank you for sharing i i really feel this huge sense of understanding with people who have had similar experiences my friend emmy created a beautiful piece of work she's half japanese half scottish living in england and she describes it as a placelessness you don't have a place you love these places mm. and you want them as part of your cultural identity but they're never quite yours mm -hmm. to keep they're mm -hmm. never quite a hundred percent with certainty i am from this place and this is who yeah. i am because yep. growing up no one viewed me as british it, sometimes they would project onto me oh but you're british yeah. though and then i would resent that because i'd say no i'm not And so yeah. there'd be this whole conflict of wanting to fit in, but then sometimes fitting into the point of the feeling, okay, I'm compromising on who I am. Mm. So now I don't want to do that and not knowing where to be. So I like the concept of placelessness and I'm really drawn to people who have had these experiences of duality. Same. Yeah. If you've been there and for anybody that's listening, it's such a human experience. Yeah. And it's one that I think we will be figuring out for the rest of our lives. And we have to yeah. be comfortable with figuring that out. Yeah. I don't think there's a like there's a an end an end goal, um, which I thought for a long time. I thought for a long time, making peace with it meant I don't think about it anymore. I don't struggle with it anymore. It doesn't annoy me anymore at all ever. Um, it, but it doesn't mean that it's just gonna be. It's just making peace with it means making peace with the fact that it's just gonna be an ongoing thing, and Absolutely. yeah. And that's okay, even though sometimes it, it feels really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> and whenever I'm told, oh, you speak with a bit of an accent, I die inside. Oh. Because <laughs> it must be weird for you, though, because, I mean, you grew up there. You grew up there, so you have, like, you speak British like every other British person. Like, because you, like, there's no, yeah. like, I... I That must be really weird to hear that. I mean, when people say that to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, I know. <laughs> But like... No, no, I mean more when I'm in Brazil and I'm speaking oh. in Portuguese and they're like, oh, tão chique, yeah. which is like, oh, you're so elegant with your like British accent. And so yeah. also Brazilians would ask me and my family, speak English, it's so beautiful to hear it. And I think, no, I want to be more like you don't other me and my own family. But yeah. it, it's... You know, I think that for me, the performative part of it is something that, again, I have to be really forensic in examining. This week, mm. where did I feel I needed to perform? Mm. Where did that show up for me? Because it shows up every week. Mm. It shows up at work. It shows up in friendships. It shows up in conversations where I don't feel held. Yeah. And so when I'm calmer, and I, I feel that right now, I don't feel like I have to put up any kind of show. Mm. But there are still many moments, particularly in my past relationship, where I was so bending and changing and being mm. somebody that I just wanted, well, not wanted to even, needed to be to fit in with that relationship. Mm. And I have to constantly check in with myself. Okay, was that what you wanted to do? Or was that what you felt you had to do to receive love? Yeah. So those conditions of worth and conditions of love as a way of thinking about it have been so helpful for me in trying to figure out this huge beautiful mess of cultures and influences and experiences where I have felt like the other mm. you one thing you do so well is is a lot of times um 
bringing together that where where life and work meet where life and business meet like and how they cross each other and like they blend into each other um that's the perfect segue you gave me that because <laughs> like <laughs> perfect <laughs> like you do that so well like on your social media and and how you speak about work um always in that balance with life and holding life on the other side of it as well like how do you you're a marketing coach business coach now right writer um you've mentioned before you wanted to be a writer like early on but like what how how did you get on a path like how did you end up doing what you do today what did you study at uni did you even go to uni like what is what was that path like from your early thoughts of wanting to be a writer how did you did that ever change did you ever have a phase where you were like I want to be a veterinarian or I don't know <laughs> used to be obsessed with animals and this is my absolute ruinous empathy to the point where it would just hurt me if I'd ever see a homeless man with a dog I would just be in tears you know everything my nerve endings as a child yeah. were just so open yeah. for everything if I saw a horse that maybe didn't look 100% happy <laughs> I'd be devastated <laughs> I wanted to fix it and so Well, yeah. that's something I've had to work on. Mm. So I did originally actually want to be a vet, but... That was just a lucky me, guess. <laughs> I know. You sensed it within me. <laughs> but I was so... I cared for the animals so much. Yeah. And I think that that's something I've also had to study and be like, okay, well, animals are amazing, but why were you so upset over them? And what mm. was it about you as a child that was so exposed to everything? Anyway... That's a tangent and we could go down that path, but bringing it back to Korea, I feel that I've wanted to be many things and I've done many different things in my career. And for anyone listening who hasn't, who has had that experience of not really knowing how it all fits together, mm -hmm. it's only been recently that I've understood that all the experiences that I've had come under the same kind of umbrella of just loving storytelling. Mm -hmm. Really, for me, that's the golden thread between everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that we need to have these really organized and orderly careers that all fit under a certain category. We just yeah. have to understand what our personal drivers are that link all of them. And for mm -hmm. me, it really is that storytelling piece. I love mm. a good story that really holds us. Yeah. and that really helps us understand who we are and yeah. has enough space within it that we as the viewer as the reader see our role in that story too so always loved reading always loved writing after my vet phase wanted to be some form of magazine editor so that was mm -hmm. my goal throughout my teenage years mm -hmm. I was obsessed with the idea of maybe going to New York or doing these things and I did go to New York for an internship at Nylon Magazine for the summer, and nice. I studied journalism. I actually wish I hadn't gone to university because oh. I think that I went purely because I thought I had to go and because mm -hmm. I thought that convention meant you have to go to university, you have to get a degree, but I didn't enjoy it at all. Mm -hmm. I was so wanting to work that mm -hmm. that was one of the moments in my life where I felt very much like I had to do this and should was playing a big role in my everyday vocabulary. I should go to university, I should study. But I did study and I did get a degree in journalism. And the whole way through I was doing internships. So my, my absolute dream was to get an internship at Vogue and I applied every year. And eventually I did get that internship in my last year of the degree. Amazing. So did some really exciting things that someone from my background 
wouldn't have expected to do necessarily because mm-hmm. it's quite a lot of nepotism in the magazine industry mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah I, I didn't grow up in London so did a load of internships graduated during a recession and realized okay I'm not going to be able to afford to live doing a magazine job as much as I love the industry I'm not going to be able to afford to live so what is it about it that I really love and I was looking for jobs and I was quite desperate needing to pay rent not knowing how it was going to work out and I saw an advertisement for copywriters Mm. and I kid you not I didn't even know what that was (laughs) like okay (laughs) copywriters John Lewis how hard can this be What, what, what is this thing and ended up getting the job so my first job was at John Lewis then I moved on to wait you applied for a job you didn't know what the job was <laughs> no and I believe in doing that I re- that's a great piece of advice honestly apply far and wide I didn't have a clue what I was doing I had to google what the terminology was before the interview before the interview and- <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing it I mean I've never actually reflected on it but it was a moment of necessity I needed a job they needed people and I thought I can do this I, I just there's something about being young and completely clueless it's actually really really bold sometimes yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. so I love that energy if I think about it but yes applied for this job didn't know what was going on got the job yeah and started a career in copywriting and content mm. that kind of evolved over the years that so I started working for big brands like I mentioned John Lewis bless them for having me if only they had known at the time what they were taking on. Oh then, I'm sure um, you did a great job, like even without knowing. Because copywriting is something that also, yes, it's a, it's a skill you can learn, but it's also talent with words, isn't it? Like, so it is. even, it if, is. If, even if you didn't, you know, have that title copywriter and you didn't know, you, you still have, you're still talented with words and communication. So I'm sure you're you did really a great fine. job. Thank you. I just wasn't from a family that came from a background that they had had degrees or any of these like conventional things. Yeah. So I couldn't go to them and be like, oh, what's a copywriter? Should I do it? You know, it was very much making it up as yeah, I went along, yeah. but somehow it all works out because it always does. It always does in the end. So copywriting, John Lewis, Selfridges, and then I worked my way up to manage a copywriting team at TripAdvisor, which was amazing got to work between here and then Boston in the US, which was so good. And then Mm. that's when my career took a bit of a turn and I started feeling like I needed to progress and that copywriting wasn't enough. You know, I barely know what it was a few years Mm. prior and now I was over it. And I thought I want to work in marketing. I know that I can write, but I want to have my ideas reach greater audiences than Mm. just through the words. Mm. I wanted to understand what the impact of my words actually would be in terms of sales and other metrics so yeah. I get into marketing and I got a head of marketing job at a company that was essentially a building site and my task was to turn it from a building site into a series of co-working spaces and event spaces and turn it into a whole brand oh is that the labs, labs. space oh yeah. yeah I love that place <laughs> oh I'm so glad amazing so, Yeah, we took that from one building to eight buildings across London and also in Tel Aviv in a year. Mm -hmm. And that was my first experience of a startup and really having to do everything from scratch. And 
it's been interesting. I've worked for two startups since I left labs and now I work for myself. Yeah. And I have found that I've had some quite, some quite traumatic experiences working in the startup world mm. because you do have to do everything from scratch. And there's such a focus on raising money, raising the next investment round that mm. I had, I ended up having this really linear career working for these lovely brands to going to unknown companies and being the person in charge of making them known. And I feel like it's been such a formative thing for me because I left working full time for these companies mm. relatively recently. And the thing that I'm taking from it now is that I feel like I'm still, and I could get more into this, but I still feel that I'm healing from some of the toxic environments that I've been in. And so my role now with my everyday work is where is a place that feels emotionally safe for me? Mm -hmm. Where am I mm -hmm. working for clients, for people? I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I work for companies to helping them with their branding. How can I be with people that are respectful mm -hmm. and that make me feel good? So right now my big career focus and I've had some success that I'm proud of but right now my measure of any form of success is around the feeling mm -hmm. how do I feel at work mm. what does it feel like day to day how am I feeling this week where am I having to be performative where am I not mm. so different measures and you know I, I really have loved my career it's mm -hmm. so far I'm just getting started just warming up but so far it's been amazing I have been able to do things financially that I didn't expect to do. I've worked super hard. I've traveled a lot. I've seen places globally like you have, but so fortunate to have been able to do that. But I am still healing from some of the experiences that I've had, and I'm mm -hmm. happy to expand on any of them. But that has been something that, yeah, I've had to really understand that there are people in business that it can be super tough. Mm -hmm. and. If you don't trust your instincts enough, you can be in situations that are emotionally really difficult. And I, I think work is fundamentally personal. Mm -hmm. It's not a separate mm -hmm. thing. The professional is the personal and vice versa. Yeah. There is no balance. It's all our life. And mm -hmm. there's been some tricky times in mine. Yeah. And it's interesting because we're taught when it comes to business and work that feelings are not a measure like what do they have to do with anything like whereas it makes so much sense to to go about it that way and say no but it it does have to make you feel good <laughs> at the end of the day um but that's not how I grew up at all and I guess you didn't either <laughs> like no, I didn't yeah I really didn't I yeah. grew up seeing that if you work this hard yes. and you put this much effort in, then you will get this back. Yes. But there will be tough moments along the road. Mm -hmm. You'll be treated like shit sometimes, but you just have to keep going. Yes. And yeah. I'm just not buying that. Yeah. I'm not buying yeah. having to, Same. in the current climate where we are and mm -hmm. where we are mm -hmm. as women mm -hmm. in our movement mm -hmm. of having more rights and having more opportunities, yeah. I'm not buying that we have to just take it or put up with it mm -hmm. because I, I can't do that and I've done a lot of that yeah you know I've done a lot of that and I've done a lot of things that financially have been really great and they helped me buy a flat in London amazing but I'm not doing that at the expense of my mental health exactly. and so that's where I'm fortunate enough and it is a privilege to say this to be able to really reassess and think okay 
some of this is not serving me when I am serving other people to the mm. point that it's not mm. serving myself mm. I'm not aligned with myself mm. so I have to go back and see what is it in my career that actually means that I can give other women for example one of the things that I really love that I happen to work on is coaching women one-on-one to build their confidence and telling their story because any success I've had in my career working for these big brands and then becoming a head of marketing at a very young age it was because I was able to tell a story about where I have been and where I'm heading so I love to give others the tools that I have learned over the years so that's a big thing for me now taking back some of that energy and helping more of us be where we deserve to be and where we want to be that is phen- phenomenal I'm I'm a huge fan of that <laughs> and that you and that you're doing this and uh, it's it's really what we need and I think we need it because we we for so long we believed um and I like personally believed like that well this is the status quo and this is just how it is and as you said we have to put up with it but we forget that we can change what normal looks like we can do that we can redefine oh this is normal no it doesn't have to be (laughs) it's really up to us we can redefine that and that's why what you're doing and your work is so important thank you so much and without naming names and getting too specific, you know, I have been in situations where I have been mistreated Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I almost self-gaslighted myself to think, Mm. oh, but they're paying you this or you get to do that. So it's just part of it, you know, particularly I mentioned the startups and that's just because my experiences in certain startups have been challenging. I'm not saying that all startups are, but those are my lived experiences that I've had Mm -hmm. with a few of the experiences that I've been through. Mm. And I tried to normalize so much of what was going on, dealing with literal psychopaths, being spoken to in an awful way. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. if there's any inner peace that I have and that I'm cultivating, it's because I know what it's like to be a woman who has really tried and who's really tried to do what she thought she had to do and has understood that actually there's a lot of pain in rejecting ourselves in favor of a path that we have we think we have to be on bless you sorry (laughs) i'm so quiet i'm like whoa nicely done i think i killed i killed some brain cells just now (laughs) i tried to sneeze quietly um and i don't know i don't know if i i don't don't have to edit this out (laughs) um um but yeah Sorry about that. (laughs) No worries at all. I I guess my point is that Mm -hmm. I really want more of us to be able to feel that exactly Mm -hmm. as you said, we can change the situations around us. Yeah. We can create microcultures within larger organizations Mm -hmm. where we influence our teams. Mm -hmm. We can lead in ways that our leaders higher up in organizations are not leading. And we can also leave situations that are not working for us in favor of better ones that we create ourselves. We have the ability to do that. And if I want anything from the work that I do for the rest of my life to achieve, I want it to be that more women believe that they can do these things because we can, we really, really can. And there have been so many times in my career where I've been told that I can't or that, no, you're not quite right for this opportunity or "Mm, we're Mm. not sure whether this works. I'm not sure this is what I've had so many of these 
individuals and scenarios make me feel like I am less or I'm not worthy mm. and I know now to understand that all of that is good the moments where we're told that opportunity is not for you that's not quite right it's signposting yeah it's tests it's it's directing us so mm. we have to be open to possibilities and open to our own greatness because there's huge power in saying no to things and also understanding that if an opportunity, if anyone's in a job right now that doesn't feel right for them and they feel like the environment's not right or the people aren't right or they just don't feel good in their everyday life, they mm. have options. Yeah. And I've been in many situations in my career where I felt like I haven't had options mm-hmm. and mm. that's my big mission. So I love that you yeah. so kindly shared that you feel that my work combines work and personal because I think that mm-hmm. the professional really is emotional mm-hmm. and we have to acknowledge it and we have to embrace that work is not something that we do it's something that really we we bring our whole selves to if we're lucky enough to yeah. and that's what we need to be striving to achieve yeah yeah and obviously it is also a privileged position to um have different options um totally. in life it is it is a privilege and i totally understand and i know from experience um, in my own life and and my family or friends that there are certain situations um, where where there isn't much choice um, and pe- yeah yes. people have to do what they have to do even if they don't like it at that point in time um, however I've also realized that even within like those tight frames sometimes there is a smaller choice um, and that I can do something that I don't love with love anyway like I can do something that I don't enjoy with an attitude of love and, and it is possible and like yeah even if there's not many choices or many options um there's always within even like any limits anyone could have there's still some kind of choice and um and sometimes it takes someone else to make you see that as well if you don't see it yourself literally and sometimes seeing that is really hitting rock bottom Mm -hmm. and realizing Mm -hmm. I am so miserable you know I I was in a job that was great on paper and it got me a lot of great experiences you know I Mm. have been fortunate enough to do some really cool things like giving talks at Google going to 10 Downing Street I'd love to go back there now I've got a few things to say (laughs) I bet you do (laughs) That would be great. A few things to say. Um, I've been really lucky to go and do these big things. And I have also been in a role where I was deeply miserable and I felt like I couldn't leave because exactly as you said, I come from a family where I watched my parents be in roles for decades Mm -hmm. that they didn't actually like at all. Mm -hmm. Particularly my dad actually was very miserable in a company for 40 years, Mm -hmm. but he would always keep going, keep going, keep going. And so I was always taught that quitting was failing and everything else. And I had to leave that job because I was working in close proximity with a psychopath. Can't say too much more than that, but it was very, very challenging. And I was working with someone who turned out to be a fraud. Mm -hmm. And I found out there was this fraudulent activity and it was a whole thing. And where that left me was in a place that I felt that I personally had completely failed Mm -hmm. because I'd chosen to go to this company Mm -hmm. and I was completely depressed, you know, diagnosed with depression and couldn't sleep, really was in such a dark place with it. And at that time I didn't have savings. I didn't have 
options to go off and just take the time that I needed. So I was signed off from work for a bit to just get my head together a little bit more. And then that was exactly as you said, a small choice that in that moment I could make to say, I put my hand up, I I can't continue in this day to day. I need time. And then eventually I found my next role and I moved on, but it took time and I felt very helpless until I hit absolute rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And I realized, okay, we're here now. Let's look up from the floor, literally, and see what could be next. What can, because there's always choices small ones, larger mm. ones as we persevere, but there's always an opportunity to take better care of ourselves if we can. And I'm not saying that mm. I come from a family where, of course, I've seen people who have had to work three jobs to keep going. Yeah. And in that, that can feel crucifying and mm-hmm. like you have no time. And I have such empathy and compassion and respect the parents right now during the pandemic who are having to homeschool Gosh, and balance yeah. work. And, oh my God, it's a whole area that I do not understand fully but that I can at least start to empathize with my god that is intense Mm -hmm. but the small choices that we can make we always have a next opportunity that we could go for something that could be at least marginally better and so that audacity of hope as a barber says which I just love yeah we have to have this ability to feel like we can hope even when it seems dark Mm -hmm. and in that Mm -hmm. moment for me everything my identity as a successful marketer my Mm. ego everything was really on the floor for me and I'm so glad that that happened yeah I'm really glad that that happened to me so Mm. that's taught me a lot because up until that point it was linear for me and now I realize okay actually I can get through these things yeah and we can and I think we we have to draw from our collective strength and we have to support each other and I read something so beautiful about the pandemic recently and it was talking about how we are all in a storm Mm. but we have different kinds of boats some of us have yachts some of us have ships some of us have a rowing boat some of us barely have a paddle and so it looks different for different people so let's always be kind let's always remind each Mm. other that there's hope and let's be respectful of those differences Mm. beautiful and sometimes the next opportunity as you called it, is also one that we have to create ourselves. Like some, sometimes it's not something that um, like we wait for or look for, or sometimes we create it as well for all the people listening that maybe like are thinking, yeah, but there's nothing. I can't see any, like there's no opportunity and I've, I've asked and I've done this and this. Sometimes it's, it's something you make um, yourself as well. Um, that is that's something I've also learned like it's it's um it doesn't always come to you sometimes it does <laughs> but um as you said yeah there's always a next thing there's always something from somewhere definitely and and that's what I tell myself every time I feel like there is no hope um or there what will come next like after 2020 for example and everything that happened and is still happening um I always think back of previous times in my life where I felt like that, um, where it looked like it's over or there's nothing happening and then something wonderful happens um, that's really unexpected. Um, yeah. And it kind of, I think when you've, when you've done that a few times in life, when you've lived long enough to have experienced that a few times, you kind of start getting trained for it and you're like, oh, it will be fine. It will be okay. Like it will 
it will be fine. <laughs> um, and, and it will. Yeah. yeah. It will. And we need to draw strength from our data points that we have on ourselves around data points. I love that. (laughs) I love the data points because the more of them that we gather, Mm -hmm. the more that we can remind ourselves, okay, but I went through that and eventually it became better. I'm not saying it's immediately going to become better. I'm saying that it will. And these experiences that we have that are really difficult, Mm -hmm. we can draw strength from them. So when you're in it right now, if you're in the middle of it right now, know that one day, this is a data point that you're going to look back on and be like, okay, I can take more of a risk. I can try this because I remember that. Dang, I love this. My God, you are golden. You're like a fountain of wisdom. It's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Ah, you're so kind and so are you. And it's hard earned. You know, the experience I just mentioned, it I've is. never spoken about it on a podcast or publicly at all. It feels right to share it right now because I know that there's a lot of collective pain going on. And mm. thank you for holding the space for me to share it because I've been thinking about that experience a lot. And I remember mm. when I first went self-employed and I kept thinking, but how do people make money? Mm. I don't understand. Like, mm. where do you get clients from? What does that look like? And I kept going back during the strength of that experience. And I so believe that we need, it's our responsibility as a collective. And this is why I love the community on Instagram and beyond to keep reminding each other of that. Yeah. We've all had moments where we felt that there's no hope. I've had many of them. I have suffered with depression. I've suffered with things where I felt completely alien to myself Mm -hmm. and career wise, I've had a great career, Mm -hmm. but it's been challenging, particularly the last few years. And so if I can give anyone 1% more hope that things are working for you, not against you, and even the difficulties are working for you and it Mm -hmm. will become clear at some point, then my job here is done. It really is. I'm so sure that you sharing what you share today gives a lot of people hope and encouragement. Um, I I do not doubt that because that's what you've just listening to you for an hour. That has has been the re- effect on me, a hundred percent. I'm so so grateful to you for that. And oh, I I think this is the perfect point, like to wrap up the podcast. Although I have uh, like so many other questions, <laughs> and but. I think honestly let's do another like one I don't know like there's this there's so there's so much like on my mind right now as well and you've get, you've given me a lot of food for thought as well and uh I'd love to just close with um my usual question <laughs> at the end um who has inspired you lately um and who has moved you to to action or to think differently or who has challenged you um yeah p- person or thing or experience could be could be either so many things because oh, obviously we're in lockdown mm. and i am really intentional about transporting myself to different places so through culture through film mm. and i'm a sucker for a good story mm. so i'm constantly my weekends what i do every weekend is try and seek out the best stories that i can the best documentaries the best books where do i need to be right now to make my mind feel more expanded and yesterday i watched a documentary that i have to recommend to everybody it's called time on amazon prime have you seen it no i haven't okay 
So talking about rock bottom, resiliency, mm-hmm. overcoming some of the most difficult things you can imagine, it's the story of a woman called Fox Rich who has six sons and her husband is in jail and he's okay. serving a 60-year sentence for his first offence. It was an armed robbery. He'd never committed a crime before. He okay. was desperate in that moment. Okay. Classic US story of the racism in the criminal justice system. And essentially, it's a story where this woman, Fox Rich, has created this archive of home video footage because she was documenting what life was like for her raising these six sons for her husband when he eventually got out of prison. So it follows this family over 20 years and the strength of this woman is unbelievable. And this incredible female director has come in, helped Fox Rich with all of her footage and filmed the end of their story. And I don't think I've ever seen a film that captures female strength and matriarchal strength and resiliency as much as I have in this film. It's only 80 minutes long. And in 80 minutes, there's moments where Fox Rich becomes a speaker in her community for women going through similar things with sons, brothers, husbands, boyfriends who have been jailed. Mm -hmm. And she's just shouting, I will not give up. I will step into my power. And it gets you right in the heart. So for anyone, I recommend it to everybody, but if there's anyone in particular that feels like right now, they're struggling, that they can't see that hope, that they understand that there may be light, but they don't feel it right now, and the light in their eyes has gone out, that documentary is so moving. Time on Amazon Prime. It's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to watch that tonight for sure. (laughs) I'm like, I'm currently like, scrambling for things to watch like on netflix or amazon i'm like i have i feel like i've watched everything but obviously i haven't um thank you for that that sounds incredible wow uh, and we sure do need more of these examples in our lives definitely it's an incredible story wow thank you so much bianca this oh, this has been pleasure. this has been a joy um and i want to continue the conversation <laughs> too and you know what I love so much about it is that we have such similar experiences with identity yeah and I'm almost like I could do a whole podcast just on that oh yeah so moving and it really helps to hear your experiences too so thank you for sharing I was like I want to ask you more questions I want to interview you yeah (laughs) let's let's do it we can do that too at some point (laughs) yeah really love that I think oh you would be a great interviewer honestly like if I yeah if, if I if I ever like have um if I ever want to do like a, an episode on me well which I've done already but like you would be the one to interview me yes, like, yeah you, you would you would be great at this let's do it one time <laughs> I would love that so much. Yes. And just thank you so much for inviting me to share my story. I feel so honored to have Pleasure. met you. And it's such a great example of how Instagram yeah. is many things. Yeah. But yeah. it's brought relationships like this, yes. which is just incredible. Like you've made my weekend. You really have. Oh, thank you so much. You made mine. I'm I'm going into the Sunday very, very happy. Uh, happier than before even. So thank you so much me too thank you for having me feel aligned and yeah i i 
like I mentioned, you know, I really feel that there are only certain spaces where you can bring yeah. your whole self or feel yeah. like you can share your story in that way. And yeah. you've done that for me. Like, I think good stories are about mm. containment. You know, they, mm. they really make us feel held. Yeah. And, and you've yeah. done that for me today. Thank you. So much power in your words. <sighs> so much power in yours. Amazing. Honestly.